when I began working with people to help them understand and deal with their difficult childhood experiences, I was having more and more conversations at work and with people in general about childhood trauma. We would talk about their struggles and their hopes, their wishes as it related to healing from the effects of childhood trauma that showed up in their adult life. One thing I began to hear over and over again, and I began seeing this pattern of women not understanding or even minimizing or dismissing their traumatic experiences. The more I heard it, the more it broke my heart because here I was hearing these lovely women not giving voice to what they experienced. And I want to address the why of that today and what to do about it. Hey, sister friend, welcome to the Shades of Trauma Healing podcast. I'm Jenny L. Taylor, a trauma coach, trauma thriver, and daughter of God, living loved. This space is for you, sisters, who want to begin healing and living fully, but the effects of childhood trauma keeps you stuck, scared, and unfulfilled. I'm so glad you're here. In this podcast, you'll receive trauma education, practical strategies, biblical applications, and motivational tips to support your trauma healing journey. So grab your journal, settle into your favorite spot, and let's get started. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you would know that my desire is to support women who are looking to find healing from the effects of childhood trauma. And in the podcast, I share information on how trauma develops, how to seek help, why it is important to experience healing, and how to do it in a way that honors God. I also like to share stories uh, that I hope would motivate you to see that healing is possible and that post-traumatic growth is a real thing. This is my commitment to God and to you as the listener. When I began doing this work, as I mentioned, I kept hearing this pattern. And the more I heard it, the more I realized I need to do an episode about it because it just sat with me for days as I thought about it. And I feel really sad every time I think about it. So I want to try to address that today. When I do my work, I usually ask clients about their experiences, what has impacted them as children. And I hear a lot of different stories from clients, from people, generally from women who I speak to. What I've been hearing in conversations with these women is there is this downsizing or downplaying, minimizing of their trauma. And my heart just goes out to these lovely ladies because I know if we do not face the reality or deal with our life as we experienced it, we will continue to struggle with the wounds and the impacts of our hurt. In episode eight, I talked about the four Ps that keep Christian women from seeking trauma healing. In that episode, I noted pain, perfectionism, pride, and productivity as barriers to trauma healing. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want to know more about what I said there. Why I bring that up is to say that this is not what I'm talking about today. The conversations that I had and what I heard with these women, they were not women who knew that they needed healing, but one of these four Ps kept them from seeking it. No, These dear women did not even think 
They did not even believe they had a reason to seek healing, not because of pride, not because of denial or anything like that, but because they genuinely did not think their trauma was quote unquote big enough to warrant getting help. I would hear statements like, yeah, when I was growing up, I experienced XYZ, but it's not like I was beaten or anything, or it's not like I experienced some sexual assault. So I didn't think I had a right to say anything about what I experienced. I thought I could just suck it up and move on. Another concern was that these women did not have words to describe the level of pain that they were in because perhaps as children, when they tried, their voice was minimized, their pain was silenced by other people. So they learned that they needed to just roll with the punches, get on with life. After all, other people had bigger problems than they did, right? This is very concerning for me. And as I was preparing this podcast, it brought me back to something I used to do early in my career. In the therapy world, someone came up with the bright idea of big T trauma and little T traumas. You might have heard about this. And like I said, admittedly, in my early trauma career, I would use these terms to describe trauma events to clients. But I realized that this was a way of not just categorizing an event, but somehow it translated into how people placed importance on their experience and their need for support. Since then, I've stopped using these terms now. I still describe the traumatic events, but I no longer classify them using the words big or little. I understand why in the industry this is done, because it does help to differentiate between different types of experiences. And if you've never heard these terms before, and if you're wondering what falls into each category, I will share what the popular belief is. The big T trauma is the reaction to deeply disturbing or life-threatening events or situations. And this could be things like natural disasters, hurricanes, earthquakes, or even the fires that are happening in the States and in Canada and in other parts of the world right now. It also includes things like war, violent crimes, school shooting, car accidents, death of a parent, and so on. The responses to these situations can be different depending on if the traumatic event happened one time or if it is ongoing. Ongoing events could include bullying or even cyberbullying or seeing domestic violence in the home, for example. The impacts of these events and the responses to these events can have serious emotional, mental, and physical impacts on children. And if they remain unaddressed, most likely it will negatively impact day-to-day functioning and relationships in the long run. On the other hand, small T traumas are events that does not include violence or disaster and does not create any significant distress or threat to life. Uh, Examples of these given would be death of a pet. Bullying actually shows up in this category as well as in the big T trauma category. A loss of a significant relationship is another example to name a few. So this is just to give you an idea of what is out there under the different classifications of big T and little t trauma. I want you to note that the definition I just read talked about the response 
to the different events that someone experienced. And it is important to remember that the trauma is not the event that happened, but in fact, how someone responds to that event. Yes, different events will have varying physical and external impacts, but we need to pay close attention to the internal impacts and the response of the person experiencing it. Any event, whether it's single or ongoing, that causes fear, distress, and a sense of helplessness can lead to trauma. And when we are talking about childhood trauma, these events happen before someone was the age of 18. And this is when children and youth are most vulnerable and they're most susceptible to having a response that could result in trauma. It is not for me as a professional to label someone's response to an event as big or little. My role is to hold space for the person to share how they experienced what impacted them. I always remember an example one of my professors said when she was interning as a chaplain, and this had this stayed with me throughout my career. The example was of an adult facing an event that is considered to be a big T trauma, but I share it so you get the idea as to how we cannot judge how someone would respond to an event. My professor said that there was a fire in this particular area that completely destroyed a whole community. Many of the residents were homeless and after it was safe, the residents went back to the area and my professor with the group she was volunteering with met with one elderly lady whose house was burnt to the ground. There was nothing that was salvageable. The homeowner was a widow and she lived alone. So my professor approached her and said to this lady, she, well, she gave her all the condolences and expressed compassion over her loss and statements like that. She said things like, this is a devastating event and we can provide support to help you grieve and to heal and move on from this experience. All comforting words, you would think, right? Well, my professor was surprised by the response from this elderly lady, and in her response, she learned a very important lesson. The lady corrected her and said, yes, this is a sad event, but in many ways, it's a blessing. The lady went on to explain that since her husband had died, it was too much for her to manage the house. And she thought about selling, but the process of packing up all the items, selling things, giving things away, putting things in storage and so on was so overwhelming and intimidating for her. Now that the house had burned down, it felt like a relief. She would not have to go through the stress of getting the house ready for sale, finding out options to store things, or deciding what to keep or what to give away. With the situation as it is, she was able to save most of the precious little items and memories she had of her husband and her family, and she found out that the insurance company would pay for the building and the contents, and she planned to use that money to move into an elderly residential home where she would have less to manage on a day-to-day -day basis, and she would be around other people, so she would have company rather than living alone. This is not exactly the response that my professor was expecting, but the lesson that she walked away with is that we can never assume how someone would respond to any event, whether it's a quote-unquote big T trauma or a quote-unquote little T trauma. So just to reiterate, 
It is how a person responds to and experiences an event that impacts whether or not they will develop trauma. The fact is that responses to both quote-unquote big T or little t trauma also leads to mental health conditions like depression or anxiety, and they can also lead to disorders like eating disorders, substance abuse, and other behavioral issues. I suspect that many of the women who I've had conversations with, they may have heard about the big T events and the little t events, and they end up comparing the size of the event and equating that or using it to determine if what they went through was actually trauma. Today, I hope to shed light on the fact that it is not the event, but how you responded to it that determined if you experienced trauma. To support this, I will just give three definitions based on some of the people that I follow. One is from Peter Levine. He is the founder of Somatic Experiencing, and he says trauma is experiencing fear in the face of helplessness. He says that fear plus helplessness equals trauma. So there, nothing about the size of the event. The American Psychological Association defines trauma as an emotional response to a terrible event. Again, it's about the response. Another definition that resonates with me is from Dr. Gabor Mate. He is a Canadian physician and author, and he works a lot with trauma and addictions. He says trauma is a Greek word for wound. Literally, that's what it means. So when you understand that, you understand trauma is not what happens to you. Trauma is what happens inside of you as a result of what happened to you. He goes on to say that this type of internal psychological wound leaves an imprint in your nervous system, in your body, in your psyche, and then this shows up in multiple ways that are not helpful to you later on. I hope you realize what this is saying, my sister friend. Your trauma is what happened inside of you as a result of what happened to you. Your trauma is not based on whether or not your siblings seemed okay and unaffected when your parents yelled at everyone in the house. Your trauma is not based on whether or not the person who molested you only went halfway or didn't go all the way. It is not determined by whether or not an abuser told you it was no big deal, everybody does it, or this is the way we demonstrate love. It is not determined by whether or not teasing or bullying was part of your culture growing up. It is not determined by whether it was your beloved pet that died or your parent. Yes, I understand one is a human being, one is an animal, there would be different physical impacts of it. However, again, we cannot assume how one would respond to the other, nor can we minimize one over the other. What happened inside of you in response to the loss is what matters. Trauma is an internal, emotional, or psychological wound that happens as a result of what happened to you. I know I'm repeating myself here, but I want to say this in as many ways as possible so that you can hear this over and over again and begin to understand and realize that, my sister friend, you know what you have been through and you know best 
the type of wounding that you experienced, the type of wounding that developed inside of you because of the situation, if it caused you fear, if it caused you distress or a sense of hopelessness, that is what contributes to trauma. No one gets to diminish your wound and how it developed. No one gets to dismiss your wound and your inner pain, least of all you, my friend. You may have been taught to diminish your feelings and experiences by other adults or people in your life because perhaps no one validated or listened to you when you tried to share your hurt. If that is the case, I am so sorry that you did not have the space to share your hurt. I hope that with today's episode, you can find some validation about the fact that what you experienced could be trauma based on what happened in your mind, your body, and your spirit. Whether the event was something the world calls big T trauma or little t trauma. Your experience and response dictates if you experience trauma and it is okay for you to name it so you can begin processing and healing the wounds. When we address and come to realize and name what we have experienced in terms of wounding and what we've been through, it's the first step in recognizing I am hurt, I have been wounded and I do need help. My experience is real, my experience is valid and I do deserve to seek the healing and the help that I need. My hope and my prayer is for you to begin acknowledging your experiences and the wounds that you carry. Admitting you've been wounded does not make you weak. It does not make you broken. Experiencing the quote-unquote big T trauma or little t trauma doesn't make you less deserving or any more deserving than anyone else. Each of us are individuals, loved daughters of God, whom God has a plan for and whom he wants to see healed. So you can take steps towards your healing. The event that occurred is not a tool to measure whether your pain is less or more real than another. So my hope is that in speaking about your wounds, you will find the opportunity to be. You will find the opportunity to process your pain and you would find the opportunity to release the hurt so you can move into the space of healing and be all that God wants you to be. This is my hope for you, my sister. I hope that this podcast has clarified a lot about what causes trauma. I know, I know, I repeated myself, but that's how much I want you to hear and understand that it's not what happened to you, but what happened inside of you. So as you go forth, my sister, I pray you find a voice to share your pain. I pray that you find a safe space to have that pain and that voice heard so that you can start or continue your journey of healing. Until next week, my sister, be blessed. If this podcast encouraged, inspired, or taught you something, Do share it with another sister friend who needs support in her healing journey. I would also love for you to go to Apple Podcast right now and leave a review for the show. Thanks for listening. I'm cheering for your healing. Until next week, breathe and be blessed.